0: Okay, I want you to try again. This time you've got to say Views from the Sofa Presents. Go for it. Views from the Sofa Presents!
1: Perfect. Welcome to From the Canvas Podcast. I'm here, as always, with Dave. Say hello, Dave. Hello. Um, and we are going to cover
2: a huge
1: amount in this episode, Dave. Uh, as you just said before we started, let's just do it and see where we go. So we are going to do just that. Uh, on the list of things to talk about today, we've got Josh Kelly's uh, defeat. Spoilers. Uh, Canelo's victory. Um, the, the Rumble on the Rock. Akoli versus Glowacki, Some big fights being built. Dave's special part, which we'll come on to a little bit later, and the next in the series of AJ's fight uh, groupie, fight run, I don't know what the best word to describe that is, the fight run. We're on to number 10, AJ versus Michael Sprott today. So, part one, Dave, let's start with the big news, Josh Kelly.
2: Yeah, so um, another great uh, pick from us, wasn't it? You know, always we're always good at calling the winners, aren't we, uh, on, these, on these fights it's getting to the point mate
1: where if you listen to us and you're in any way you've got any confidence or we've got any credibility in your mind you are you are the deluded one now because we've got we've called essentially everything wrong so far
2: yeah i think if you're going to put some money on the future fights so, you know you need to be back in Povekin and glowacki not you going forward uh... um, <laughs> I might, might do that <laughs> yeah it was every chance yeah No, I thought Josh Kelly, I I thought there was, in fairness, we always thought this was going to be a tough fight for him. Um, It was one that we thought he would come through. Uh, And he started really well. I thought he started excellently, to be fair. He looked really, really sharp in like the first three or four rounds. I think I had him comfortably 3-0. I think the fourth was a little bit tighter, but certainly for the first three rounds, um, he looked really sharp. He looked quick look focused. Um, I think he rocked Avanessian a couple of times in those in those first um, you know couple of rounds. Not heavily but but a little bit and it, it was one way traffic early doors. Um, and then unfortunately for Josh Kelly, what happened to him is is what has happened to him in his previous fights, although he's won them, he, he doesn't seem to be able to last any sort of considerable distance at that pace. Um and I think once avanesian started to uh, put some pressure back on Josh Kelly, certainly from rounds, definitely from rounds sort of five and six, um, and also in round four, um, Kelly just sort of ran out of gas, I thought, for me, um, and didn't really have any sort of answer or backup plan to that. Um, you could hear, it was really, really interesting with the, with the no fans in the, uh, in the, in the, st- in the arena, you could hear um, Avanessian's corner man saying, don't let him breathe, don't let him breathe. And that is, that is literally exactly what he did. You know, Kelly would come in with a couple of swift jabs. He'd try and, he'd try and get out of range and, then, and try and get some air in his lungs. And rather than Avanessian standing off him, he just kept pressuring him, kept pressuring him, kept pressuring him. And that paid off um, as the rounds went on. And, and Kelly, just, uh, Kelly just crumbled, really, and, and couldn't really, couldn't really handle the pace.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think well, I was looking back through our um, boxing WhatsApp group, and actually, I think we all had it three-two at the end of the fifth. Now, bear in mind the fight only went. Uh, the fight ended in the sixth. Um, Kelly was three-two up on all of our cards at the end of the fifth, and I think he would probably at least a round up if not more um, at the end of the, at the end of three as well. I think mm. you're right. You could make an argument for 3 0 So it was a real. He looked really good at the start, and then he just faded. And it was, and and I just wrote down here like it's just consistent pressure from evanesian Like it was, it was, it was nonstop. Yeah. It wasn't. He wasn't amazing. I, I don't. We, we, I think after the fight, we were all discussing that. You know, I don't think he's going to go on to do amazing things, but he definitely deserves the opportunity to, to do so. Like to have a go at it, really.
2: Yeah, he 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 feels to me like. A really solid European champion yeah Uh, somebody who definitely deserves his European title um and is and is solid at that level but the step up from European level to world I mean you're talking about Crawford and Spence I mean that is a that is a completely different league um to one he's in I I don't think that he's going to be able to uh usurp those guys up there but um at European level, certainly looked more than capable there, and uh, and and Josh Kelly's got a few question marks now against him. Um, you know, what, is it a weight issue? Do we do we think it's possibly a weight issue? Is he too big for welterweight? Does he need to move up to super welter uh, or light middle? Um, that's a question that he'll need to answer in the gym, and and because yeah, at the end of the day, that was scheduled for twelve. Um, yeah. And he's, he's blowing up in round sort of five. I mean, there's a, there's a long, long way to go in that fight, potentially. And, and uh, it's a bit of a question mark over, over him. And, and to be fair, his corner, really, as to how they approached that fight. I think from looking at it, they must have felt that they could have got Avanessian out of there quickly.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and, and, and felt that if they started fast and hard, they could possibly stop him in, you know, in, inside sort of four or five rounds. Uh, but Avernese was too strong for him, just too um, too relentless, and and uh, like I say, just uh, just absolutely didn't let him let up at any stage, and and deserved it.
1: I think you're right. I think the corner must have known that Kelly didn't have 12 rounds in him because yeah. it was just it wasn't even close. I mean, they threw the towel in before the end of the six, so we're talking half we're talking half the fight left to go, mm. and he'd gone back. he'd already taken a he'd already touched down in the six, and then with. Um, one minute left, I Avenesium mean, was just tearing off. To be honest, it was it it, it felt slightly the, the stopping from throwing the towel in felt slightly premature when I was watching it. But actually, Josh Kelly was nowhere in that fight, and you might and you might as well save him for another day. He was only going to get he's only gonna he's only gonna have the point advantage that he might have had overturned and keep going and keep going and keep going. He went down twice. It was just going to be it was just. It was making room viewing, and so fair
2: enough for, for stopping it that early. Yeah, I think the I think the towel was a decent one to be fair. Um, but I think I think exactly what you've said there. I think it screams that they knew. Do you know what I mean? They knew yeah, once yeah. it got to once it got sort of five six, and he was struggling a bit. I think they knew that he you know he didn't have another six in him, um, and I mean he wouldn't have lasted that long anyway. So I think it was a good towel. And maybe that was maybe that was
1: part of the niggle before the. Um... The, the match i mean i think I, I really felt like there was a there was a real dislike between them um and i and i wonder if there was part of evanessian uh, corner who were looking at that going josh kelly hasn't got 12 rounds in here and we don't want him pulling out again let's really you know really turn it up and yeah i think it was it was just a real one sided one
2: and i also i also absolutely loved that post fight interview evanessian yeah. i mean, yeah. he was such a was such a, a good sport and uh, it is broken english i loved it
1: Mate, I tell you what, his his English is better than my Russian could be after ten years of learning it. Honestly, it was it was yeah. incredible. He, yeah, he, totally. His English was like was was you know ten times better than my French, and I think I've got a bit of French in me. <laughs> 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 um I tell you what though, I, 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 we're going to move on now, but I, I I will just finish this little bit with saying I really, I, I really enjoyed back to back fight weeks of Warrington and Kelly. Like, it's been too long. I know, I know I'm know. i being a massive hypocrite here for saying, well, how can we have boxing on at the moment, potentially? And there's some questions around that. But, you know, all that aside, with it being back, I really enjoyed my Saturday nights, tuning in at 10 o'clock, watching some boxing, talking some rubbish, uh, scoring some fights with very little, uh, very little knowledge as, as a, this podcast is demonstrating. And I'm really glad boxing's back. On that note, though, and this is a good segue, I'm really pleased with it. What I was not prepared to do was stay up till five a.m. to watch Canelo versus Yildirim. You like that? You like that segue, mate? Loved it. Um, but, uh, and I think I made the right decision because Canelo was dominant, absolutely dominant.
2: Yeah, I think it was just a routine victory for him, wasn't it? Um, Yildirim, let's be honest, what sort of opponent? was he um not a great one i would argue i think going into the fight he uh he hadn't fought in two years but somehow the wbc had decided that he was their mandatory for the belt which i find absolutely scandalous to be quite honest and definitely i think um perizzo of the wbc has actually said after this fight that they're going to review how they come about those decisions (laughs) <laughs> um, which, which I think, kind of says says it all about the fight. Um, yeah, he, he hadn't fought in two years, and yet he was there uh, fighting Canelo. I think, I think you can't criticize Canelo too much because Canelo's um, Canelo's run over the last few years of opponents is literally second to none. Um, it's absolutely outstanding. He's gone. Um, I've got the written down here. He's gone Golovkin, Golovkin, back to back at middleweight. Uh, which is unbelievable. Then he's fought Rocky Field in its super middleweight to get that regular world title, which isn't a, isn't a real world title, but we'll come back to that. Uh, then he's fought Daniel Jacobs back at middleweight. So we've got middleweight, middleweight, super middleweight, then back to middleweight. Then he's fought Kovalev at light heavyweight. Then he's gone back down and beaten Callum Smith at super middleweight. And then he's had this fight. So I mean that is just a, that is just an astonishing run of fights. He's fighting, you know, the very best in three weight classes there and beating them all. Um, and he's an absolute superstar, isn't he? I mean, I know he's only just come onto your radar, um, which is a bit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is a bit of a concern for a boxing podcast. I think I think I think I think slightly misleading statement though. I think
1: <laughs> I think my willingness to I, I think. He is not someone that I am going to uh, batter my own body to watch at four a.m., five a.m. in the morning. I think that 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 I will f- fully admit is, is restricted to very few people. Um, I think you know a Tyson Fury fighting in America maybe is probably one of the only ones that I'll be I'll be doing at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I certainly know of and admire Canelo from afar. Let's put it that way.
2: I think with Canelo as well. Um, it- and this might come across in the wrong way. I, I don't mean it to at all. Um, but I think the fact that he doesn't speak English is a is a real um, is a slight barrier actually to his career. I think he'd be an even bigger star if he if he committed a little bit to to the English language. And I appreciate that sounds really bad coming from like an Englishman expecting everybody to speak our language. Um, but and that's not that's absolutely not how I mean it. I, what I mean by that is obviously just for the American market as well, I think I think that does hold him back slightly. Um, but obviously from a boxing standpoint, he's, abs- he's absolutely incredible. Um, and uh, this is just a routine win for him, but an absolute throwback, really, because he's fought, he's fought, uh, he's going to be well by the time he fights Saunders in May, which we'll come on to in a second. He's gonna fought three times in six months, which is uh, which is you know, more of that please, because that's uh, that's great for the fans. Wow.
1: You could argue you could I'm not sure you can give a, a full a full fight to the one what we just saw last weekend, but yeah, I'm with you. I think they've actually um you know, you said let's just get into this, right? I think we're gonna I think we're gonna move things around a bit and let's talk
2: about um, Canelo versus Saunders now while we're while we're okay. on the topic. Thoughts about that fight? I it's a, I, it's a really good one. I, I think this is one of the one of the good fights coming up this year. Um, Saunders Saunders is um, I've, I've got two parts to my analysis on this. I'm going to talk about why Saunders is is a good opponent for for Canelo and why it might be tr- why it might be tricky, and then I'm going to totally write him off. Um, so I'm gonna say the first, the, the first part. You know Saunders is is really slick. He's obviously got really he's really skillful fighter. He's southpaw, which will make um, which cause Canelo some difficulties and make it a little bit more tricky for him. Um, and I think it'll be a really um, I think if Saunders is in peak condition, it will give uh, Canelo headaches. And you know Saunders is uh, is, a, is a really really talented fighter the issue i've got with this fight from a saunders um angle is he hasn't been anywhere near as active as canelo So we're talking we're talking sort of five. i think it's like five fights in the last five years Um, and you've got question marks around the way he lives his life and his lifestyle away from boxing um and the other the other major factor for me is can he hurt canelo can he actually cause Canelo problems physically? I, I don't think he can. I think if Canelo, if Canelo can box Triple G and Kovalev and not, 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 not be hurt, but not be stopped by those guys, I just don't see how Billy Joe Saunders can cause Canelo problems physically. Well, and so, for, for me, that means that he has to get a decision. And I can't see, can't see Saunders getting a decision in Vegas against Canelo. No, I'll,
1: I'll, 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 I'll add one more to that, Dave. You, you know, it's about um, um, you know Saunders trying to get a, was trying to get a decision. I mean, he he didn't look he didn't I mean, sorry a stoppage. He didn't look great against Martin Murray. Was that that was in December? I mean, it, I mean, he, it was a pedestrian victory at world at world level um, against Martin Murray, and Martin Murray looked. Really average. Has he gone on to retire now? Hasn't he? I think.
2: Yeah, I mean, my you've, it, my last line of notes here on this fight are. Oh, I'm sorry. Saw, saw, no, 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 not at all. Saw saw nothing in the Murray fight to worry Canelo. So it's, it's literally exactly what what you know what you said. I think the recent form line is is questionable for, for Saunders. It's the thing is uh, I've heard a few I've heard a few people in the boxing industry who yeah far more qualified than you and I talking up talking up Billy J Saunders' chances in this fight and saying that he's got a real chance. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and just say I can't see it. I, I just really cannot. I cannot see it. But, um, you know, that probably means that he's destined to win. But I just well, cannot
1: see it. I, I also feel the same. I just, you know, I appreciate my knowledge of Canelo might not be as uh, as, as uh, wide-ranging as yours. But from what I have seen, I just don't think uh, Billy J Saunders has got a like a chance really but then let's just say and i think we need to qualify all of these statements now by saying our predictions are absolutely dogs so um like there's a good chance belugio is winning this right mate i think that's gonna do us for part one um we'll come back in a second and we'll talk about the rumble on the rock The Wrestling Predict
0: Cast is a podcast like no other. Each episode, the Predict Cast team discusses, debates and predicts the outcomes of upcoming WWE pay per views at an ongoing competition. What is so unique, you ask? This is an interactive podcast where you can go head-to-head with us and your fellow wrestling fans with a chance to win WWE merch each episode. Just search the Wrestling Predict Cast, subscribe and take part for your chance to prove your WWE knowledge and fandom dominance. That's the
1: Wrestling Predict Cast, wherever you get your podcasts. So, mate, in part one, we were talking, uh, I was talking about how much I'm enjoying having boxing back on a Saturday night. And I was really looking forward to March the 6th. I think we touched on it quite a bit on in the last episode, which was meant to be White versus Povetkin. Now, as I understand it, um, this has now been moved to the 27th of March uh, on an event called Rumble on the Rock, um, which is um, a result of the fact that they're now going to be fighting in Gibraltar. Dillian um, White's training camp was in Portugal. Povetkin, I think, based in—is in, he based in Russia? Well,
2: I'm, I think so. Yeah, yeah think and
1: so. so White can't come back into the UK without um, quarantining. So, hmm, question, questionably, they've decided it's okay to have the fight in Gibraltar. I'm going to leave the—I'm um, going to leave the ethics side of that uh, and just say, what's your thoughts about the fact that the fight is going to be in Gibraltar? Do you think that changed
2: anything? <laughs> well i was thinking about this you know that does it does it help anybody or hinder anybody i, I think it may it may actually help dillian white in a in, in a way just simply just simply from a, a logistical point of view in the sense that he doesn't have as far to go um, and it's it's uh, it's just an easier an easier change over for him from portugal to gibraltar um, but i don't think it's going to make an enormous difference on the fight um, it's going to be behind closed doors. Either way, is it? I wasn't uh, talking about that. I assumed it was. I think. I think. I think it is. I mean, maybe. Maybe it hasn't been announced yet, or, or I'm, I'm not aware. But I, th- I think it's going to be behind closed doors. But um, uh, yeah, I, th- I think it may. It may favour White slightly. Just gives him a couple of extra weeks in camp, um, and and makes it slightly logistically easier for him. But uh, it's still, <laughs> it's still like I say, ethics aside. It's still um, one that I'm really, really excited about and looking forward to. And any changes to any
1: of your thoughts about uh, any of the undercard? I mean, we talked quite, you know, we talked and covered off the Cheeseman fight, uh, Fabio Ward versus Eric Any changes to any of that? Anything you're particularly excited about?
2: No, not at all. I think uh, I still, still stick by my um, my gut on those. Um, so, yeah, Ward, Lee and Cheeseman for me, mate. What about you? Yeah, I think...
1: I think we discussed it on the last pod, didn't we? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think Molina um, versus Wardley is going to be a really good um, sort of gauge about, Wardle, uh, about Wardley uh, mm. for me. Um, I'm just really excited. To be honest with you, I'm really excited about the Dillian White fight. I know I know, that, um, I know that's obvious as the headline, but I, fa- I, fa- I found it really questionable that this was a pay-per-view. Uh, the back end of last year, I felt like he just didn't yeah. like Dillian White's always going to be pay per view now, probably, or it's going to be there or thereabouts, depending on who his opponent is. But I was a bit unimpressed by kind of um, an, an AJ afterthought versus Dillian White. Um, but the, the the punch has made this second fight really, really box office worthy. I think. Yeah. And what's really worrying me is I saw some quotes attributed to Dillian White um, earlier in the week, which said, "This is Dillian White talking about Deontay Wilder. Um, he's he's lost the belt and now he's got nothing. I want to fight with Wilder, but I'm just focusing on Povetkin. And I'm just a little nervous that White, having you know coming off a loss, he's already citing his next fight against Wilder. It just makes me just makes me slightly nervous, uh, to be honest."
2: Yeah, I think I think once you've been knocked out by somebody coming into the coming into the second fight, that surely that has to always be in the back of your mind and has to be a concern. I mean, in the first fight, as we've spoke before, he dropped Povetkin twice, so it it literally looked it looked done, like it looked like you know White was going to just cruise to victory after that, um, and it just shows that Povetkin still carries that power despite you know despite being hurt. Um, so I think I think it'd be really interesting to see how White approaches this fight, um, particularly if he gets Pavekin in trouble. Yeah, you know, we've seen um, we've seen with um, Anthony Joshua after the loss to Andy Ruiz what that has done to him um, mentally and from his approach to fights. Joshua is a lot more cautious now, and um, and certainly in the Ruiz two fight wasn't willing to engage. Uh, um, you know. Close for fear of the history repeating itself, and I just wonder with Dillian White whether um, we'll see scars like that in this second fight. But I, I totally agree with what you say; he cannot be he cannot be overlooked in this fight because it's dangerous, and uh, you know absolutely could win. So you know that is that is a worry.
1: I I have to say the the the. Um... The optics of a White versus Wilder fight for me are tantalising. Like I think that's a I, that's a fight I would love to see. I think you know outside of AJ Fury, which obviously everyone wants. I think that's probably the next you know that is the next fight on my list of, of what I fancy this year. But I just I just like like I just said I, I worry if White's looking past Pavetkin because it's it's one thing it's one thing if he was looking past Pavetkin having not fought him before and us all thinking he's far better, but he's just got sparked out by Pavetkin and there's. And if it happens again, um, he's probably done from my perspective.
2: Yeah, I think it's a, well, it's a huge fight, and I think um, I think the Wilder fight is is one that would be would be brilliant, a brilliant fight, It'd be a brilliant fight for both of them actually, um, for both both of their careers. Um, but like you say, do not overlook Povetkin um, because that will be a dangerous mistake. And what happens do you think
1: if Povetkin wins? And that's a big
2: if. Do you think yeah. he
1: then points to Wilder?
2: Well, probably, because, because, because the, the, the belts are tied up at the, at the moment, aren't they? The only, the only belt I think that I've heard that's potentially up for grabs was that situation with Usyk around the WBO. And that seems to have been sorted out. Um, I think there's been some matchroom um, wangling behind the scenes, shall we say. Um, and some money-traded hands, probably. But the WBO situation seems to have been sorted out. I think Usyk's going to fight Joyce, isn't he, in some sort of eliminator uh, for that. Um, so, yeah, I think because all the belts are tied up, that probably is the fight that makes sense if Povetkin wins. But Dillian White, like I say, if he loses to Alexander Povetkin, it's a long way back up to world title belts uh, from there.
1: Yeah, well, he's, yeah, I think if he loses that, then he's... he's- he, you know, at that point he's at least third in line, and he's been and he was being first in line for quite a while and not got a not got a title match. So if he
2: loses, if he loses to Povetkin, he'll have to fight, he'll have to fight somebody of note and get a really good win. Like, he, you know, he'll have to try and get a Wilder or an Usyk or someone like that and beat them, and then and then he might get back in the conversation. But yeah, difficult. All right, well there we go. I've, I've proper dwelled on
1: Dillian White. I thought that was gonna be a short, a short bit, but uh, I, I, he's still, he's still one of the people I'm clinging on to. Just hoping that was a freak punch. Um, cool. So the other, the other upcoming fights we just want to touch on briefly. We spoke before. Akole versus Glowacki. That's, um,
2: that's on in the next couple of weeks. That's yeah, it's good. It's, uh, I'm excited. It's, I've, I've had a look, and uh, Akole's ranked sixth with the ring. Um, on the cruiserweight rankings, Glowacki's ranked third, mate. Um, so we've absolutely slated him, saying that he's useless and uh, Charles Martin. Um, but I, <laughs> I had a look. I had a look at his record, and actually, actually, he's not bad. Um, so we might have done him a massive disservice, to be fair, because um, he only lost to Bradis and Usyk, and they're both absolutely brilliant. So. Um, yeah, I, I, still, I do think, I, I think Akole is just getting this fight at the right time, like we said before. Um, I think Gouac is, uh, you know, definitely his hardest fight of, of his career. But he hasn't fought since June 2019. Um, he's lost to those two guys before. He's 34 going into the fight. I just wonder if uh, Akoli's got this guy at the perfect moment. And um, I do think that he'll probably, probably get the win. Um, but it's a tough one for him. I think we've we've probably made it sound a bit easier than it actually is. Um, so, uh, yeah. But I I, th- I think he'll win. I think a, a, one of the big differentials in this fight for me is the reach. Um, Akoli's 2 metres 10 is his reach. Um, Gluwaki's is, uh, on my notes here, 1 metre 91. So, that's that's 20 centimetres difference. Um, so, you'd imagine Akoli's… Imagine probably um,
1: 10 centimetres an arm, I'd guess.
2: Yeah, a Coley's, a okay, fair enough. A Coley's, Coley's tactic here is just going to be to jab away, keep him at distance, take it long, and try and stop him or get the decision. I would have thought late on. So, and I think he probably will do that. I think if you, if I was a betting man, which I am. Um, I would be I would be back in a Coley sort of late on to get the stoppage or the decision maybe, um, but we'll see.
1: I like that. So as a betting man, um, yeah. So
2: as a betting man, yeah.
1: Yeah. Good. Okay. Cool. And then and then just <laughs> before I get you to now your um, colours to the mast on this one, I think this is this is just a, a future fight that I thought it was worth t- talking about. Um, we've, we've found out yesterday uh, we've got uh, Taylor versus Ramirez. Uh, any initial thoughts on that one?
2: Yeah, I'm so excited about this one. Um, I really, really rate Josh Taylor. I think he is uh, potentially the uh, best pound-for-pound in Britain at the moment. Um, Definitely right up there. I think Josh Taylor is absolutely brilliant. And I actually think that this is a relatively straightforward fight for him, which I know sounds really, really bizarre, because this is for all four of the belts at Super Lightweight against uh, Jose Ramirez, who has the other two. But I think from looking at Josh Taylor's previous fights, certainly the Baranchik and the Progre fights, I think the Regis-Progre fight is a harder fight than this one. And he came through that. I think Regis-Progre beats Jose Ramirez for me. Okay. Um, and I think, uh, I think if you look at the form line, they both fought Victor Postel who's who's a guy that's sort of in and around the, uh, the world scene. And Taylor dealt with Postel really easily, uh, whereas Ramirez really struggled against Victor Postel and, and only got a split decision. So um, I think that Josh Taylor will win this, and I think he'll win it well. Uh, I think he'll have all four belts at super lightweight, be an absolute superstar. And then what does he do? I think he probably moves up in weight to be honest um, and there's some fights at welterweight which are pretty mouthwatering i've definitely heard rumours of him against terence crawford in the future is a possible um, okay. you know, that, that would be that would be amazing well they're both with top rank aren't they um, so that is a fight that can be made and uh, but i mean we're talking we're probably talking a year away for something like that but that would be that would be brilliant I, yeah i think i think josh taylor will win this Um, and I think he'll win it fairly comfortably
1: there you go you heard it here first thanks very much mate no
2: worries
0: coming soon to the Views from the Sofa Network is The Team Sheet brought to you by the people behind From the Canvas podcast The Team Sheet is a football podcast like no other each episode The Team Sheet brings you a top 11 based on a set criteria from the sensible like the top English footballers to the not so sensible like the best footballers with food-related names. To get involved, look out for the team sheet coming this March, and for more details, go to viewsfromthesofanetwork.com.
1: So we're back for a very special part three, and we're calling this section, in the loosest possible terms, Dave's special part. Um, The reason we're having a special part today is because Dave has recently watched a Sky documentary uh, on Bruno versus Tyson, and having watched it, immediately messaged me to say that I need to as well. So I thought, as we're recording today, it might be worth just handing over to Dave just for a couple of minutes to talk about the documentary and uh, a bit of the history and why we should all watch it. So Dave,
2: yeah, you know, I just found um, I just found it the other day, and uh, it's recently come on in the last week, I think, or so. I find it just I find this era really fascinating, simply because it was before my time really. And um, I just find the Mike Tyson story and Frank Bruno, just a really interesting one. And, and when I saw this come up, I thought, oh, it's an absolute must watch. Um, and it was absolutely brilliant, the documentary. I can't, I can't recommend it highly enough. Uh, fascinating insight into the life and career of Bruno, mainly focuses on Frank Bruno Um uh, with bits and pieces from Tyson as well. But um, just really, like, delves deep into the sort of behind-the-scenes stuff in Bruno's career and his absolute obsession with winning the world title. Um, but I found that the dynamic that I found the most interesting in the um, documentary was just the, uh, the sort of ever-presence of Mike Tyson in Frank Bruno's career. And if you don't know the sort of full story... Uh, they fought first in 1989 for the world title, uh, which Tyson held at that time, and Bruno was the, was the challenger. And that was like peak Mike Tyson. So if you're talking like Mike Tyson's career was kind of in two parts. It was before, before he went to prison and after he went to prison. Um, and the before prison stuff, this Tyson is like peak Tyson. So he beats Michael Spinks in a round in 1988, and then he fights Frank Bruno. So that was like absolutely top of his game. And uh, and Bruno, like, starts really well in the first round. He, he, he actually gets knocked down by Tyson within about 30 seconds of round one. So when I say starts well, that's not what I mean. He touches down and then he gets back up and he really rocks Tyson with a really big shot. Um, and Tyson looks in a bit of trouble. But after that, Tyson's just, like, absolutely relentless. And, you, you know, when I say that he was before my time, I, you know, he, he, yeah, this is before I was born... So I don't really, I obviously don't remember it, but I'm just fascinated by, you know, if you hear any per, any person who talks about boxing, who's, you know, sort of 40, 40 plus, they all talk about Mike Tyson as just being this absolutely, you know, incredible fighter. And he's just absolutely like a bull in a china shop, just so ferocious, so angry, just so aggressive. Um, and he gets Bruno out of there in the first fight. And then, uh, and then after that, Tyson's life spirals out of control and, you know, he has a car crash and then he goes to prison um, for an alleged rape. Um, And then during that period, whilst he is in jail, uh, the World Heavyweight title trades hands a few times. Um, So it goes to Lennox Lewis and then Lewis loses it to Oliver McCall. And then uh, Bruno gets his chance to win the world title against Oliver McCall at Wembley. And he does that, so he wins it in 95. But then he just can't resist, because Tyson's come out of prison. He, he can't resist fighting Tyson once more, because I think he's just forever haunted by this sort of, uh, almost like, monster that is Tyson. And I think he just really needs to try and beat him. And uh, and Tyson does him again in the second fight um, inside three rounds in this time, and Bruno goes into that fight with a with a with a detached retina. All the doctors are telling him that he has to retire, and like he could lose his sight, but he just cannot do it, and he has to he has to fight Mike Tyson. You watch Tyson's ring walk uh, in the second fight to Frank Bruno. He looks absolutely terrifying. And there's a there's a there's a bit in it where you see Tyson coming out with his entourage, uh, in the second fight, and Frank Bruno's daughter is talking over that uh, that section. Uh, so Bruno's daughter, this was the first fight that she went to for her dad. So she was nine years old when uh, this fight happened, and she says she remembers seeing Tyson coming out, and she was terrified for her dad, absolutely scared scared to death. And you can see why, if you watch the documentary, Tyson just looks, at, I've just never seen anything like it. Like, So not, you can see why so many of the opponents were probably beaten before they even fought him. Because he just, he's walking towards the ring. You think, no, 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 thanks. No, no, I'm all good, thank you. Um, is, it, is there anyone that you
1: can compare Tyson to that's fighting now? Uh, is, is there is there even a remote comparison? I don't, I
2: don't think, I don't think from a, from an aura point of view in terms of, um, and in terms of, from an aggression and just being so ferocious and scary before, I don't think there is somebody like him. I think there are, I think there are characters, you know, Tyson Fury's a a, a really interesting personality. Um, But I don't think there's anybody quite like, quite like Mike Tyson um, around nowadays. And uh, it's just absolutely fascinating. I mean, there was, there's other parts of it that were really good that both of them talked about their mental health and, the issues they've had around around that, um, certainly since since fighting and retiring. Um I just thought it was excellent it was really, really good and definitely well, well, well worth a watch.
1: There you go. Recommended by From the Canvas. Thanks very much, mate.
0: No worries. That movie list podcast does exactly what the title suggests. It counts down on unusual, bizarre, unique, and best yet listener suggested lists. Which movie franchise should be a Lego toy? Who is the best movie, Dave? And as one listener requested Which is the best movie featuring an exoskeleton? For these lists, and a host more, find and subscribe to That Movie List Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
1: And now given our extra special part three we're on part four and part four as always is going to cover aj's uh fight um we're doing them in sequential order uh, and we are on to number 10 which is aj versus michael sprott now this is on the undercard dave of bellew versus cleverly two what how times have changed eh? Um, wow. and this is quite a short fight it's fair to say yes
2: just before we go on to an, analysing the fight, Michael Sprott is somebody that I've reached out to. <laughs> I've reached out to on Facebook Messenger. And uh, very similar to previous uh, boxers that I've contacted. So I dropped them a little message. I say, you know, this is Dave from the Canvas podcast. Really popular boxing podcast. I really sell it big. Uh, We'd like to hear from you about your fight with AJ. Any insights, et cetera, et cetera. I get the first message back, no issue at all. Michael Sprott, love to, love to come on. Yeah, not a problem. I'll give, I'll come and chat to you about it whenever. I'm thinking, great. Follow-up message is, okay, can we call you at six o'clock or whatever or whenever we want to do it, next Tuesday, radio silence, mate. <laughs> Every single time. And I like to think that what happens is, is that, I contact them and they go, oh, from the Canvas Podcast. Yeah, that sounds that sounds quite good. I wonder if that'll be worth my time. And then after I've sent that and this is a message, they go and listen to one of our episodes, and then I get nothing back. <laughs>
1: But you say that, mate. But to be honest, I'd be happy with the extra listener, really. Like that's, that's,
2: that's true, yeah. Even if, that extra download. Is, uh, even, if you're, even if
1: you even if Facebook messages, okay, we're not getting any we're not getting any guests as such, but we are getting an extra listener. I'll take that. It's all right, mate. It's all right. <laughs> worth worth the effort. Mate, what to say about this fight, Michael Sprott? So watching him come to the ring, they well the the commentator said he's he's. Nearly forty, and I was, and I could not believe my ears because I thought he was about fifty-five. He looked really, really. I mean, this might be why the boxers don't come on the podcast. In hindsight, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, because
2: we just slate them. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. The, the most complimentary would be is about one of them looking a little bit like me, um, <laughs> which I can only imagine is a compliment. Um But yeah, so this is his sixty-fifth fight, and he wore that on his face. In my opinion, a bit forty-two wins, twenty-two losses. AJ clearly about six inches taller, um, and it, and one of the com- one of the opening comments from the commentators was, "What is the point of the judges?" Um, <laughs> AJ's had, AJ's had nine fights, and so far been uh, been fighting for less than thirty six minutes in total. Is there anything that you want to add uh, before?
2: We well, they, they they had to have ringside judges because it was for the British title, unbelievably. So yeah. Sprot sprot gets his chance to win the british title i mean obviously they're just ex- this is kind of just handing it over to age i mean when you consider that we've had we've had british titles recently you know dubois joyce um etc this is a, not that um like you say 42 wins 22 defeats so i always think like that's uh, such an interesting uh, thing that you you know you don't really consider with boxers you know we're we're so ready to focus on the elite obviously of boxing but there are these like journeymen um guys that are making a career out of you know losing four then winning a few then they lose five on the bands you know that must be that must be a really hard life actually Um, you know 65 fights 42 wins 22 losses that is that is tough that is tough going um, and he's had just, six fights since this and he lost them all five by yeah, yeah, yeah I mean that is just you know that is just crazy um, to me to be putting yourself through that but um, you know fair, fair play to him um, I think just on the fight itself I thought actually and, and there's not an awful lot to talk about spoilers um, do you want to just give a little view on the fight do you want to just talk us
1: through the fight first eh, before you go into your uh, your thoughts about it or, or, or I can
2: no, go for it, mate. You go for it. Yeah, go for
1: it. Yeah, so I was just going to... Before you go into your thoughts about the fight itself, I think it's probably just worth covering off what actually happened in the fight. So we are talking 90 seconds. Um, I think it's fair to say the first 30 seconds, and I'm sure this is what you're going to touch on in a minute, the first 30 seconds, there's a bit of a trading of blows. Michael Sprott doesn't look outclassed um, at all. There's just a... You know, I think it's a little bit of feeling each other out for 30 seconds. Then there's 30 seconds where AJ is kind of... L- i just getting his range it feels like it's almost like first 30 seconds even second 30 seconds aj find his range and then as the commentator says at 70 seconds we are just waiting for the explosion and then aj in finding his range one of the right hands gets through and it's not even a it's not even a it's not even a like it's not even getting through it's 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 really slowed down by a block um but it's enough to days uh well days or at least you know Wobble, I'll say, Michael Sprott, and then AJ just tees off and tees off, and there is an uncomfortable couple of seconds where the referee doesn't seem to be stepping in to what clearly needs to be stepping in. I think, I think the referee was expecting Sprott to go down, and he didn't because the rope, but the ropes were clearly holding him up, and the commentator even said, you know, is the referee is the referee watching the fight? Um, so yeah, quite a dominant, quite a dominant display from AJ. Um, Spot doesn't hit the canvas at any point, but um, referee intervenes. 90 seconds, it's all over. AJ, looking the man. So Dave, sorry, I, I, uh, I cut you off. You're were, you were going to say your thoughts on the fight?
2: No, not at all. i was just, you know, just going to say I thought it was quite a tentative first minute from Joshua um, in this fight. Like, like you said, um, probably just feeding, feeding each other out. I think when we are the first notable punch that I noticed that Joshua landed was just before. So when you said about the commentator saying just waiting for the explosion, I think literally maybe the punch before that, he lands a really good right hand to the body. Um, and Sprock just sort of like nods at him as if he was like, yeah, that's sore. That hurts. Um and then uh, Sprott sort of walks forward a little bit, and that's when AJ uh, lands the, the combination, the right hand that you're talking about, which, like you said, he kind of like... He's obviously aiming for the head, but it is it is like through... He hits Sprott's glove, doesn't he? And it's yeah, he sort of definitely slows,
1: it slows the punch down a lot. Yeah, it's
2: a bit of a weird one, and that, but, I mean, this is what um, AJ was so good at it, early in his career, was once that opponent is... In any sort of remote trouble, he just is all over him like a rash, isn't he? And just just absolutely um, understands when he's got opponents hurt. I think the the biggest positive you can take from from this fight for AJ is is the finish because uh, obviously rocks Sprot with that right hand and Sprot almost sort of like falls into the ropes, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, at one point but I think what the work that AJ does between that moment and the eventual stoppage which I agree with you is at least like three or four seconds too late um I think the work between there and then you know AJ knows he's gonna probably stop him at this point but I think if you watch a lot of boxing um you'll know that a lot of boxers can at that moment sort of smother their own work in a way Yeah. Um, and get almost like over keen to, to get the fight done and finished. And I think what's really um, impressive here from AJ is that all the shots that he's throwing, you know, he's not, he's not, he's not got sprot against the ropes and he's just wildly swinging at him and trying to hopefully land one more power shot. I think all the shots that AJ's throwing here are really targeted and clinical. You know, you, it, you expect to get knockouts from hitting guys in the temple. But if you if you look at what AJ does on the ropes here, yes, he goes upstairs to the head, which Sprott is covering up. But as soon as he recognises that Sprott's got his hands up and he's covering his temples, he just puts an absolutely sickening body shot into the ribs. And then Sprott drops his hand to try and protect his ribs. And then AJ punches him in the face. So it's just, it's just you know, you can't cover everything. And the guy's trying his best, but... You know, I think if you if you watch it really closely, AJ clearly knows exactly what he's trying to do here and, and, and knows how to get this guy out of there. And then Terry O'Connor, goodness knows what he was thinking because, you know, Sprott, Sprott probably takes about five extra punches that he didn't need to take.
1: I didn't, I didn't, I hadn't realised it was Terry O'Connor. Yeah. Terry yeah. O'Connor with, I think we've just, this is about the third. I'll tell you what, if you're playing the, uh, from the canvas drinking game, the word journeyman must come up every episode. The incorrect prediction must come up every episode. And at the moment, Terry O'Connor is coming up every episode. So you can make a real game of this.
2: Um, the thing is with poor Terry, he's uh, he's from Birmingham as well. And I feel like we're just absolutely slated every time, every time we talk about it.
1: <laughs> I've got a feeling. I've got a feeling that our um, our friend from uh, the wrestling predict cast, Luke, I think his dad knows Terry Connor. I feel like we've had this discussion before, um, and I'm, I'm now double, I'm now questioning it because uh, whether that's true or not. But I th- I'm pretty sure there is. I'm, I'm pretty sure we've talked about Terry Connor more than quite a few boxers um, at this point. So um, yeah, maybe we need to re- maybe we need to reassess that.
2: We'll have to reach out to Terry. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, don't please. I mean, again, feel free to listen to it from a listenership perspective, but don't, like, don't worry about like any criticism because we're pretty consistent with that. Um, so apologies in advance, Terry, if you do end up listening. Um, well, the one, th- the one thing I wanted to just touch on really quickly before we finish, Dave, was was a really interesting comment from the really interesting question posed by 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 the commentator, which was, how many heavyweights are ahead of him? And this is bear in mind, this is a temp fight. Um, now the, the, the colour commentator was quite um, quick to kind of not not put his neck on the line there which is a bit understandable but he did say he won't be long until he's fighting the best of Britain and I think you know we're, at, at fight number 10 I guess the point I'm making is at fight number 10 we're looking at this guy and going he is absolutely the business uh, and, that, and a 90 second win against Michael Sprott who admittedly is a bit of a journeyman there's another tick for the drinking game but I mean you can only beat what's in front of you, and he's beating everyone comfortably at this point. Uh,
2: who's, who's world champion at this point in time? Is it is it Klitschko? I would have thought
1: it was Klitschko, yeah.
2: Yeah, so he's not. You know, you can't say he's at that level at that point at all. But but I think I think it's clear for all to see that he's certainly on that trajectory, um, and that's what's exciting. I mean, like I said, I watched um, I watched the Bruno Tyson documentary uh, this week, and. Uh, when Frank Bruno won the heavyweight world title, he was only the third Englishman to have ever won it. Um, so, and obviously, you know, we're sort of, I think we sort of forget nowadays the situation we're in with with uh, Tyson Fury and Joshua, how, um, how rare that is to actually have uh, British fighters owning the heavyweight world championship. And I think that's that's part of the appeal with Joshua, well, it's a huge part of the appeal with Joshua at this early stage in his career. Is that it's so clear for all to see that he is the real deal, and he's certainly going to be. You know, I don't think you can say with absolute certainty at this point he's definitely going to be heavyweight world champion. But I think, I mean, you said it after two fights, but um, but I, I think um, I think you can certainly say that he's going to be fighting for the heavyweight title at some point in his career,
1: which is exciting. There we go. And that's another tick on the uh, from the Canva's drinking game. My outrageous text of uh, the second Anthony Joshua fight claiming he's going to be a world champion one day, which I stand by, although the evidence, is um, yet to materialise on that. So, all good. Dave, it would be remiss of me, before we wrap up, though, just to quickly say um, to listeners, that if you like listening to me and Dave, and why wouldn't you? I can't understand why you wouldn't. There is a great new podcast out called the Team Sheet podcast, where um, we point ourselves towards our other love in life, Um, not our wives, but or each other, but uh, football, uh, and we are picking our one to 11 um, best teams under different parameters. We've we've got shows coming out like um, the best England 11 of our lifetime, the best home nations uh, team that we can pick with a minimum of one player per country, the best football teams with uh, food-related puns, which is um, very interesting, uh, and the best football team we can make with uh, first and surname starting with the same letter. So, if you like from the canvas, unless you're obsessed with only boxing, go and have a listen. It's really good. It's really funny. Um, you, you, you'll uh, and, and you'll learn as much as you do from that as you do from this. So, I mean, well, if- I,
2: I shared I shared from the canvas with my mates when we started it. And I got limited feedback on it. Um, I shared the team sheet with my mates when, when the first episode came out, and I had about three of them saying this is actually quite good. So I'll I'll take that. <laughs> I'll absolutely take that.
1: God, it's like um, I feel like we're I feel like we're doing like um, you know, like one of them cinema cinema adverts. Which also, if you like, if you are like, on the network, you definitely should listen to that that movie list podcast as well. Which I definitely didn't steal the idea for the team sheet from um which uh, which i have ben and uh one of our co-hosts dave another dave uh producers but yeah um yeah uh, mate i um i think if we get in if we get in the rave review of actually quite good from your mates i mean what's not what's not um what, why would you not listen
2: exactly exactly cool all right
1: well it goes without saying that i've definitely forgotten some more information that i should have passed on so um all i'll say is thank you for listening thanks to our editor ben who you'll hear from in a minute and dave thank you to you mate
2: Thank you. Cheers.
0: Bye. Thanks for listening to the From the Canvas podcast, brought to you by the Views from the Sofa Network. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Want to get involved in the conversation? Then find us on social media. Just search for From the Canvas podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.